Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Get it checked, boy. You on the sideline, you ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitting on me? What's the topic of discussion? What you talking about? Take your best shot, I'ma take the last shot. I'm Jordan in the clutch, boy. You bitting on me? It's time to get it checked, boy. You on the sideline, you ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitting on me? What's the topic of discussion? What you talking about? All righty, guys, that was Pull Up Tay on the intro, and we are live for another episode of the Auto Bid. Once again, man, we thank you guys for tuning in with us, man, and, you know, listening to your favorite college basketball podcast, man. Um, As always, man, if you guys could just like this podcast, share, give us a nice subscribe, you know, wherever you're getting your podcast, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, man, you know, it goes a long way. You know, we know that um, there's a lot of people who, who need to hear this podcast, who need this information, and you know what I'm saying? It would, it would go a long way to just, you know, getting this podcast in front of the people um, who need to hear it, man. So, with that being said, man, Ace, man, how you feeling today, man? You know, we, we down here in, in D.C., man. It's, it's been snowy, man. The weather's been crazy, man. How you, how you feeling, man? Feeling good, man. I'm tired, man. I've been, as you know, it's been a long weekend covering basketball. Just finished up the fourth game in four days. Been over at Towson. And then uh, Maryland had three games. Well, in fact, Towson played Saturday, Sunday. And then uh, Maryland played, what, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So five games in like five days, I think it's been, man. It's been it's been a grind over the last five days. So glad, you know what I'm saying, the snow, you know, provides some opportunity to sleep in and, and, and relax and enjoy myself. So definitely enjoying this downtime for sure. Not for sure, man. And shoot, man, man, I mean, with that being said, man, let's, let's go ahead and get right into it, man. I mean, you started off with the uh, – you mentioned, man, obviously me and you were at this uh, – the Towson Northeastern game this weekend, man. And um, I don't even want to talk about anything else right now, you know, because this, this needs to be said. We need, we need to discuss this, Ace, because we, we have found a, a hidden gem, or at least hidden to us, you know. But I know for a fact that not many people are talking about this kid, and they need to. And – the kid is Tyson Walker, man. I mean, the guard from Little Eastern, man, we, we watch with our own two eyes as he goes for 36, man. I mean, as I'm watching this game, I mean, I almost forgot that I was a member of the media. It reminded me, like, back in my playing days when I'm on the, you know, in, in the stands, on the side, on the bench, you know, watching dudes just get off. And, I mean, it was just – I mean, this dude taking step backs, making dudes fall, walking dudes down on the island. I mean, yo – he looked like legitimately this kid is an NBA player and he's only a sophomore. Like I, I can't, I can't stress this enough, but I had to start this segment off talking about this dude, man, because I mean, wow. <laughs> you know, his, his bag is very, very extensive. He, he definitely had one of the deepest bags that I've seen all year. I think he, he had the deepest bag I've seen all year in terms of handle finishes, mid range game. I mean, threes finishing at the rim. He was getting and one. I mean, we've seen him tween, tween, Triple cross to the end one while he's fading out of bounds. Then we seen him hands up, midi. Like he he absolutely put on a show. Um, that kid is special. Um, I, I mean, look, man. I, I hope I hope you know just for the, the integrity of, of mid major basketball. I'd love to see him stay at Northeastern. You know, be a four year player, score two thousand 
2,500 points because he, he, he definitely that good and he's that talented. I mean, we've seen him score 36, you know, and he only missed by, what, like four or five? No, he was, I think he was 13 for 20 that, that day or something like that. But, I mean, we saw him score 36. He can play at any school in the country, to put it plainly. I mean, you know, there, there's, there's not a school in the country that he could play at um, right now, and, and he's right now in the CAA. I don't know too many people know about him. I mean, Drew, I mean, you talked about it before the show. Last night he had 27 on North Carolina. I mean, that dude can play anywhere. And I think he proved it not only last night, but he's been proving it all year. No, exactly, man. I mean, the kid goes to Chapel Hill, you know, scores 27 on 8 for 15 from the field. I mean, this dude, that's, you know, shooting above above 50%, you know, from the field, man. I mean, that's that's I mean, that's that's no easy task, man, especially, you know, as a mid-major guard when you know you're the best player on the team. You know, I I, I wouldn't doubt that Roy Williams and the Tarios had him circled on their scouting report, and he still goes out there and gets 27, man. After the game, Thompson's coach, coach back, Pat Scary said that, you know, he's an ACC Big East level guard. You know what I'm saying? And, um, I mean, that's nothing but facts. You know what I'm saying? That's nothing but facts. And he, he proved it, you know, the very next outing um, after the Towson series, he goes to UNC and puts up a, a 27 ball, man, you know, on, on the Tar Heels, who, who we all know um, are only a few years removed from winning a national championship. I mean, so, I mean, this kid was, was spectacular, man. Um, no, Eastern was able to, you know, um, hold Towson you know, to, to a split. Towson was able to snap an eight-game losing streak in that series, man. But, you know, Towson, I mean, it's going to be interesting, man, because obviously we knew, um, you know, they, they were without Zane Martin, and it looks like that might be for, you know, for the foreseeable future there um, with, with Towson. Yeah, for sure. I don't want, I don't, I don't want to speculate, but I did, I did ask um, Pat Scary after the game um, why Zane. They were also without Cam Allen, who was one of the – who was uh, gone off the bench and played some minutes for them. And Cam Allen, um, unfortunately, was dealing with some family issues. He had to go home and tend to some issues. So, thoughts and prayers are with him. But he said that Zane Martin right now is just a guy that, you know, he said he wanted to go with some younger guys and play, you know, play some of the younger fellows uh, in that rotation. And, you know, he, he mentioned things like buying in, things like, um, you know, being committed to doing doing the right things and making the right plays. So, what it seemed like to me was, you know, maybe Zane had been – upset with the way things have been going lately and, you know, maybe, you know, not necessarily wanting to buy into what Pat Scary wanted to do. And so it looked like he's on a little bit of a leave of absence type thing right now. And you know, in, in his absence, you know, Ja'Kai Dyton played very well um, over those two games. Game one, he had nine points. Game two, he had 13. And so he averaged about 11 points per game on the weekend. You know, uh, you know, uh, and he, he's obviously, you know, a three-year guy from Cambridge, Massachusetts, you know, hasn't played much all year, but he stepped up big time in the absence of Zane Martin. Also, Nick Timberlake uh, had 22 points in that, in that second game. It was crazy because, like I said, they were without Zane Martin and Cam Allen. And then Jason Gibson, you know, who guy who made the CAA rookie team last year, um, he goes down six minutes into the game. And he was looking like he was about to go for 40. I mean, he had seven points in the first six minutes of that game. I mean, he was aggressive. The play that he got hurt, he was he was going to the basket. He, he, he would have had two free throws. He probably would have got to eight, nine points you know, in the first six minutes of that game. So he goes down, um, and then it really came down on the hands of Nick Timberlake and Ja'Kai Dotton, and those two guys delivered um, for Towson. But definitely going to be something to watch um, with that Zane Martin situation. As he is Towson's leading scorer, you know, he's, a, he's over 16 points a game at this point in time. Yeah, man. I mean, shoot, that's a uh, you know great scenario of you know, just next man up. You know what I'm saying? When you lose – Essentially, you know, your your you know two of your your best guards, Jason Gibson and, and um, Zane Martin, and then Cam Allen is obviously uh, without him as well. Man, Towson still finds a way to win, you know, in almost desperation fashion after losing eight straight. Man, so um, you know, definitely kudos to those guys, man. But I'm uh, staying in the CA, man. Um, JMU has arrived. JMU has officially arrived. Um, they sweep Hofstra this weekend. They're uh, they move into Seoul, 
sole possession the first place in the CAA at eight and one. Um, after the sweep, you know, Hofstra actually moves to fourth place, you know, they're eight and six now, and actually Charleston is now in, in third place at six and four. But, um, you know, JNU, man, they're, they're a team that, you know, beat, you know, that beat um, Northeastern earlier in this year. Um, right now they're sitting at eight and one in the CAA. Their only loss uh, was to Northeastern in a split. Um, but, you know, this is the first year head coach, man. Obviously last year, I believe they won like three games in the CAA or something like that, and now they're sitting in first place. So, um, you know, definitely one of the great turnarounds of college basketball, man. I mean, and, and they're, they're playing great basketball. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, they have wanted to be talking about Tyson Walker earlier, but JMU has one of the best players in the league. Obviously, after that after that game um, where Tyson Walker torched Towson, Coach Pat Scary said that Tyson Walker and Matt Lewis, you know, are the two best players in the league. His words were, it's it's Matt Lewis and Tyson Walker and then everyone else. So Matt, uh, Matt Lewis obviously is, is averaging just under 20 games, averaging – 19.7 points, basically five rebounds and four assists on 47% shooting from the floor. You know what I mean? So he's having an absolutely spectacular senior season right now for, for JMU, man. He's shooting 38% from three uh, on the season and 47 from the floor. So he's a guy that, that could definitely um, get some looks. I mean, after we, we played him last year at Coppin State, and he, you know, he, he was shooting the crap out of the ball when we played him last year as well, man. And obviously also, you know, Mount St. Mary transfer Otto Morse. He's averaging 13 points, two rebounds and two assists for them. Um, as well, shooting 36% from three, 40 from the floor. So they, they, they have, you know, as good a backcourt as anybody in the conference, man. Like you said, that first-year head coach, you know, he, he's doing it. He's doing a great job, man. But Jamie definitely has been a surprise of the season um, in the CAA, man. Definitely kudos kudos to them. No, for sure, man. The CAA is going to be a conference. It's going to be fun down the line, man. But I do want to, you know, transition a little bit to another, another conference is going to be Extremely fun down the uh, down the line as well, man. Come down the stretch into March, man. That's the A10, man. Um, VCU, man. VCU. Um, I mean, I think that as of right now, you know, I'm not going to speculate down the line, but I think as of right now, they separated themselves as the best team in the A10. Um, they're coming off a week, you know, where they beat St. Bonnie's, you know, who's current, who who was in first place, and they also get a win over rival Richmond. Um, and I mean, like, Richmond was obviously a team that was looking like they were the best team in the A10 year early on uh, um, in the season, man. So you know, with, with two statement wins against St. Bonnie's um, and Richmond, man, um, they move in the first place. They're nine and two in the A10. They're sixteen and four overall, man. I mean, they they found a star in, in Bones Highland, man. I mean, the kid only averaged 21, 10 rebounds and about four assists over over these two games. I mean, he's absolutely spectacular. I had a chance to, to see him in person um, when VCU played George Mason, man. I mean, and he's absolutely spectacular. I mean, the way he can score the ball. Um, BCU doesn't have too many other options on the ball, man. And night in and night out, he's pulling in 20 points a game. Um, I think that the biggest thing with this BCU team, man, is after this weekend, man, I think that they've firmly um, smithed themselves in the position to get an at-large bid. You know what I'm saying? And when you're sitting at 16-4, um, 9-2 in the A-10, um, I mean, they have as good a chance as anybody, you know, to, to, to get an at-large bid, you know, should they not win the A-10 tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, you mentioned Bowen Highland. I think a big a big part of the VCU success has also been Vince Williams. I mean, this is a guy, you know, last year he averaged four points a game. Um, and now he's up over 10 points a game. You know, he's averaging 10 points, five rebounds, and two assists um, this season for VCU. And, you know, I think, you know, his, his development from year two to year three has been a huge, huge factor in, you know, Obviously, at the freshman, he averaged just, just about five. Last year, he averaged four points. He doubled that this year. And he, like I said, he's up almost at 11 points, five rebounds a game this year for, for, for BCU, man. I mean, I think his development – because I was coming to the year, BCU was picked ninth in the A-10. And it was it was because nobody really knew what, what else they were going to – everybody knew Bones Island was a great player, but nobody really knew 
who else was gonna was gonna be able to score for this team? And I think Vincent Williams has been a big, big reason why. Um, you know, his, his development coming into that second scoring option for VCU um, has been huge for them, man. And, and obviously, you know, Mike Rhodes is an outstanding coach. You know, he he has his team defending at an extremely high level. Um, they're very stingy on the defensive side of the ball, man. But you know, I think VCU definitely been the surprise. Like I said, you know, they're sitting in first place at the, and pitching for at large, been after being picked ninth in, in the preseason poll. Now, for sure, man, Vince Williams is is arguably the best defender as well. I'm on the yeah. perimeter. I mean, he plays extremely hard. Um, Mike Rhodes raved about him after that George Mason game. You know, just the energy that he brings, his ability to get in passing lanes, you know, get turnovers, and just kind of give that team a boost um, on that end of the floor, man. So, uh, I mean, Vince Williams is definitely as important um, as anybody on that team, for sure, man. Um, I know never, never some other A-10 news. URI uh, was able to get Dayton uh, in the double overtime thriller. Um, that was a, a fun game to, to watch for sure, man. And St. Louis avenges their loss to LaSalle, man. They um, get the Explorers, you know, by 20 this time around. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, man. It's going to be a big-time matchup in the A-10 that we're going to preview a little bit later, man. But, um, you know, definitely um, some interesting games um, nonetheless over this last week. Sure, man. I mean, we talked about the eight ten. I think you know, arguably the biggest result in the mid major world this weekend was Loyola Chicago and Drake. I mean, the eyes of the whole country were watching that game this weekend out of the Missouri Valley. Obviously, Drake loses their their leading scorer, Shaq Hemp Hemphill. You know, he could be out for about a month. What uh, the doctors are, are um, saying right now um, with a fractured bone in his foot. Um, but Loyola Chicago and Drake played to a split, and it was looking grim for Drake. I mean, you know, obviously, I came on here last last week and I said. Loyola will win the first game, and Drake will find a way to win the second game. And sure enough, that's how it played out. Um, but I mean, that well, 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 their best player did not play. Okay, so I think they had a profound. And they still won. And they still won. By the skin that keeping in game two, I think that if he, if he plays in game one, we, 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 me and you, we watched the beginning of that game. It was attack back and forth. Both teams was pressing. Pretty light energy. It was close. It didn't it didn't really got a hand to the second half. You know what I'm saying? And I think that if he plays in that game. You know, then, then then my picture would have been a little bit different. If I would have known, and as you know, I texted you as soon as the news broke. I said, I said Loyola was going to sweep. That's what I said. I was, and, and, I and what did I say? And what did I say? I said, I said, I said, I still think that like, Drake can get a split because it, it wasn't for Drake. It's not even about the talent. I've watched this team all year. They find ways to win. I don't know that they, they, they're a senior letting team. Obviously, you know, old wins in college basketball. They're an old team. I think we all watched one of the game. I think there was a stat like. The majority of the players that play men's are like older than 21. Like obviously we know Donald Brody, who was a big reason. We talked about that game. That game started off extremely even back and forth. Donald Brody had like seven points in the first like six minutes of that game. Picks up two fouls, goes to the bench. Him and Crowley were going back and forth, tip for tat. Brody picks up two fouls, he goes to the bench, and from then on it was a different ball game. You know what I mean? I think that was a big, big, you know, factor in game one because he, he, he couldn't stay out of foul trouble. That's been a problem for him all year, but. Like I said before, the thing about this Drake team is that they simply find ways to win. Like I said, they, they, they pulled wins out of their ass at Missouri State, um, Illinois State. You know, both of those games are games that, that they could have lost and probably should have lost. Even game one at Valpo, they didn't end up losing the next game to Valpo. But they they have found ways to win all year long. And that, that was why even without, you know, Shaquan Hemphill, their leading scorer, I still didn't want to count this team out because, one, they're at home. Two, it's a back-to-back. Um, and three, you know, when you're desperate, you know, obviously this team is a team that was essentially playing for their tournament lives because they were, let's be honest, if they lose that game to Little Chicago, they're essentially out of the mix for at-large bit just because of the fact that you don't, you don't, 
That was their only – those were their only two quad one games all year. So they weren't even going to have an opportunity to get any more quality wins. So you're now sitting at three losses, two to little Chicago, one to Valpo, and you have no really real quality wins. So it would have been tougher for Drake would have lost that game. But I think now that they have won that game, I think the Missouri Valley is solidly in place for two bids into, into, into the tournament. Obviously, we know little Chicago was still ranked in the top 25. So they're, they're almost locked to get in, barring anything super unforeseen. And then Drake um, – after with this split, you know, you, you have a win over, over Lower Chicago. You only have one loss on the season. Two losses, I'm sorry, on the season. Um, I think they're in a great position to get an at-large bid as well. No, for sure, man. And, I mean, I think it bodes well for the strength of the Missouri Valley. I was listening to, um, to John Rothstein's podcast, and I'm pretty sure he said uh, Indiana State is like a, a quad two win. I'm pretty sure he said Missouri State might be a quad one. Missouri State uh, is creeping towards a quad one. They're, 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 quad one. The top 75 is quad one. I think they were at like about 90. 80. Now they're in the, into the 80s now, yeah. so they're they're creeping towards Missouri State is, is creeping towards quad one. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, I think I think that bodes well for the Missouri Valley that you have teams like that who are, you know, creeping up in that direction where you can kind of earn some quality wins um there, you know, in, in conference play. But you know, I would agree that I think the Missouri Valley is, is um, you know, strongly in position to get two teams in there. And I think another thing, and I was talking to you about this earlier in the week, man, is that quite frankly, man, when you have schools like Michigan State who who Brian had in the four seed, not going to be in the tournament. Kentucky won't be in the tournament. A team like Duke, who as of right now, is not going to be in the NCAA tournament. Um, when you have all these high-major teams that are struggling, quite frankly, um, I think it bodes well for a lot of these mid-major leagues, man. And I mean, it's, it's, it's easy for me to say that now, but, you know, as we know, it's, it's, uh, we've seen time and time and time again where the, the, the committee does not respect, you know, mid-major teams. I mean, I can think back to all the way back when, I, when we were in high school, man, when that Drexel team, you know, um, was, was crazy. Won the, uh, won the CAA regular season, you know, lost. I think it was VCU in the conference tournament. They don't get in with, you know, my guy, Bruiser Flint. He did a hell of a job there. We could think back in uh, when we were in college, man, with those Mammoth teams, man, that, you know, had all of the conferences over USC and UCLA, you know, tripped up in the MAC tournament because Iona, they don't get in. I mean, we can go on and on about you know, mid-major teams, man. But I think that this is a year where it's kind of unique, man, where a lot of these high-major teams, quite frankly, aren't just aren't as good as, as they normally are. You know what I'm saying? You know, we, we, we've seen Kansas struggling. I think they'll still get in a tournament, you know, but um, they've been down, you know. Um, so I think, man, I think for a team like Drake, who doesn't really have too many good wins, but, I mean, quite frankly, they were, what, 18-0 at one point? I mean, so I think that they do deserve to be in uh, in the field of 68, you know, when the time comes. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think I, I think they will. I think um, I think they will get in, you know, barring anything up for a scene. Obviously, without Shaq Hampton, you can't, you know, afford to lose any of last last couple of games. But uh, I, I think they'll find a way to win. And also, I mean, don't look now, Drew, but Duke has won his last two straight ever since Jalen Johnson has, you know, departed from that program. I don't want to make any speculation, but, you know, I mean, there are rumors of him, you know, not kind of wanting to buy in. There are rumors that he had kind of been – you know, ever since, since the beginning of the year, that his his you know handlers, agent, if you will, and Coach K, you know, Duke came hadn't been getting along, so he's now gone, um, and they've won two straight. I mean, obviously, you know, NC State has been been a pretty good team all year, and then they beat Wake Forest by twenty four. They're gonna see Duke on Saturday. I mean, they're gonna see Virginia on Saturday. I know it's a mid major podcast, but you know, don't look now. But I I don't want to call out Coach K and, and that Duke group yet. Um, and obviously, you know, Kansas, I think, you know, they're back in the top 25, so they'll definitely be in the tournament as well. But um, another mid-major conference that I definitely want to give some love to um, is the Big South. You know, Winthrop obviously uh, was able to sweep Radford. We talked a lot about that series. Um, obviously, those, those were the top two teams in the Big South. Winthrop was able to go to Radford um, and pick up two wins, which was huge. So I think they're, you know, in the driver's seat to win the Big South um, and, and get that automatic bid, obviously, barring, you know, anything unforeseen in the conference tournament. But, you know, they've been playing great basketball all year. Uh, and that sweep at Radford was huge for them. 
Uh, also, Colgate out of the Patriot League was able to sweep Army. Um, they've won their eighth straight. They're now nine and one in the Patriot League. So they're going to be a team to definitely, you know, keep an eye out for. They've obviously been one of the best offensive teams in the country. Um, and they, they've been playing well all year. I mean, the, the, this nine and one start is their best start um, in, in Patriot League history for them uh, at Colgate. So, you know, they're going to be a team, you know, because of the way that they, that they can, you know, shoot the ball, the way that they can put the ball in the basket, they're going to be a team. You know, they, they execute at a high level. You know, you know those Patriot League teams, you know, they, they, they really do do a great job of executing, and they're very dis- disciplined. So they get in the tournament, they're a team that could definitely, you know, pull off an upset, you know, like a 15-2, 14-3 type situation there um, if, if they get in the tournament. But um, another big win that I definitely want to make sure I spoke about was out of the Mountain West. Um, Boise State was able to get a win over Utah State last night. Obviously, Boise has been a team. You know, over the over the course of the season, that that has been, you know, one of the best teams in the Mountain West. Derek Austin is is an NBA player. He's a, he's a guy that a lot, not, not a lot of people are talking about, um, but he's I mean six six nine, um, can post up, can shoot it, can can score at all three levels. Um, can really face the floor. I mean, he's he's played amazing basketball as of late. Last night goes for twenty six points, um, in a win for for Boise State over Utah State. Um, the Mountain West is going to be a fun is going to be a fun league uh, going forward, man. We got Boise State now sitting at 13 and 3 in first place, but Utah State with three losses and Colorado State also at 11 and 3 with three losses and San Diego State all have three losses at the top of that Mountain West now. So that is going to be a conference to to keep an eye on. You know, there's going to be a photo finish um for in, in that league that down the stretch, man. Obviously Boise Boise State you know, they're going to finish the game with a series. Obviously, they, they, they have one more game versus Utah State. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And then they're going to finish the season with San Diego State. So, you know, this is going to be a team that's going to play, play stuff out. Obviously, Colorado State is going to play Nevada. We're going to talk a little bit about that later as well. Um, but this, this conference is going to be fun to watch, man. It's going to be a race to the finish out, out west, man. Now, for sure, man, like I said, I wouldn't definitely not count out, you know, that that, that Nevada team, you know, with, with Steve Alford, man. He's got those guys playing great right now. Um, and arguably, I mean, some would say they're a year uh, ahead of schedule. You know, I know they're not, quite frankly, in the, you know, um, at-large competition as of yet, but um, definitely, you know, want to mention them, you know, when we're talking about the Mountain West, man. But um, I also want to talk about, you know, uh, our, our one of our favorite conferences, you know, the the MAC. You know, um, definitely had some big-time action this weekend, man. Iona and Manhattan, you know, the, the best rivalry in the MAC. You know, um, they were able to play to a split. Um, Iona won game one by 18, coming off a of, – you know, Paul's that was, I think, 41 days, something like that. One game one by 18, came out guns blazing. Um, dropped game two by seven. Um, you know, with, with that win, you know, um, Iona drops uh, to, to fifth place in the MAC. They're now four and three. Um, QU, man, they, they, they got swept at home by Canisius. I mean, it was – that was a tough a tough series, man. Um, but they were able to follow that up, you know, with the win over Iona. Um, you know, me and you obviously were able to watch that game one, man, with us. You know, we're just looking at each other like, yo, how? I mean, they were up by, I think, like 16 in the beginning of the game. You know, they got into a crazy run. And from that point, you know, they just took their foot off the gas, man. You know, Quinnipiac is now four and seven in the MAC play. You know, after that sweep, man, uh, Kanisha is now in third in the MAC. You know, they're, they're, they're five and three right now, man. I mean, they're creeping up towards, like I said, you know, we don't really know how the MAC is going to do the seating. You know, we, we mentioned they're going to do it as, as um, you know, just with wins, not, not, not necessarily, you know, win percentage, you know, but I mean, Kanisha's at five and three right now, man, two games above 500, you know, you, you know, from playing in the MAC that, I mean, shoot, you two games above 500, you're in, you're in play for a bye, you know, they're, so they're very much in play for a bye. Obviously, you know, Kanisha was on pause for a while and, you know, they were able to, you know, get a big time sweep over QU. Um, surprisingly, man, Fairfield and St. Peter's split. I was surprising, I was surprised that, you know, St. Peter's, you know, dropped that one, but, you know, St. Peter's is now seven and five in the MAC, you know, they, they dropped, now to, to, to fourth place. 
Um, so I don't know, man, a little bit of a, a shifty weekend in, in, in the Mac, man. A couple of teams um, were able to kind of reposition themselves um, there in the, in the hierarchy of things. Yeah, for sure, man. Because you should have an opportunity to get two more ones. They're playing Fairfield. Obviously, you just mentioned they split, they split with St. Peter's. But, I mean, they're, they're, they're one – they're not – I mean, they're right now in second to last place in, in the MAC right now. So, they have an opportunity to potentially get two more ones. Obviously, you know, we, we saw them sweep St. Peter's earlier in the year. Man, I, I got to give some props to Reggie Witherspoon, man. He's a great, great coach. He's doing a great job over there at Canisius. Man, obviously, you know, when we were there, obviously, those two guys there, Reese and, and all those guys, man. I mean, he, he's, he's done a great job ever since, you know, Barron – you know, left left there. You know, I think it was well, our freshman year, our post grad year, maybe. But um, he he's done a great job with, with that program, man. They've quietly now won what four straight, uh, it, 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 four straight games in the MAC. So you know, to to be to be for that team to be at five and three is testament to the coaching job that he's done after like a forty plus thirty plus day um, pause. Is 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 really you know surprising to see. Yeah, man. So you got teams coming off pause. He just. Come out guns blazing, man. Iona came out guns blazing. Obviously, Kanisha was able to, you know, play to a sweep, man. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, we saw Northeastern come off pause and, and, and beat Towson in that first game. So, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe we're overstating this uh, this whole uh, this pause effect thing, man. But um, I also want to talk about, you know, some of the some, – some little major action this weekend, man. Um, first of all, you know, in, in the MEAC, man, we had some, some you know, big-time games this weekend, man. Norfolk – Morgan State, man, and we talked about the implications of this last week. There are now three teams atop the MEAC North with four losses with Coppin, Morgan, and Norfolk. Norfolk is currently in first place at 7-4. Um, it's crazy, man, because, you know, Coppin was able to get three games off of Norfolk. Morgan, but, you know, Morgan was able to get three games off of Coppin, and then Norfolk turns around and gets three games off of Morgan. You know, so, um, I mean, and Coppin, only, they only have remaining games against Delaware State, you know, as does Morgan State only had games against Delaware State. So, Hey man, somebody Delaware State is is gonna decide the fate of the Miak North this year. Um, you know, whoever whoever can you know take care of business. If 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 a team slips up, then you're essentially taking yourself out of the race, man. But um, definitely some big time action there in the Miak. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, like you said, Cobb and Norfolk and Morgan all sitting right now four losses in the Miak. So it's gonna be interesting to see. Like, I mean, you, know, you 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 just said it, man. Whoever whoever can take care of their business against Delaware State. You're gonna have an inside track, you know, to to that one seed in the Miag North. Um, obviously, the Miag just put out their put out their conference tournament bracket um, the other day, and so it's, it's gonna be inter- interesting to see, you know, what what happens with you know the, the Miag North. Now, obviously, the Miag South right now, A and T is currently undefeated at four and zero. Fam is three and two. Central is two and two, and Hellcraft State is zero and five. You know, through 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 seven through five games so far. Miak plays. So it's gonna be interesting, you know, to see you know what happens down there in that Miak um, towards the end of the season, man. But I want to talk about what's been my favorite mid major league. Drew, you you know I love the SoCon, man. I mean, I I can't get enough of this league. It, it has been, in my opinion, the most exciting league of the of the year, man. I mean, in, in mid major basketball, man. I mean, there's so much parity. Um, so in the SoCon this weekend. We had a bunch of action, man. ETSU was able to get a win over Wolford. Um, we watched that game obviously a little bit on on a Saturday, I believe it was, or Sunday. Um, Mercer was able to beat, was able to then go and beat ETSU. I, I, I circled this game last week because Mercer is a sneaky good team at home. You know, when they're when they're on their home court, they're extremely hard to beat. They were able to beat ETSU. Um, BMI beat UNCG. UNCG has been looking like the best team in that league. I mean, as of late, you know, they, they've been playing very good basketball. Um, VMI was able to get a win over them. You know, VMI is now beating Walford, Furman, and Chattanooga on the year, man. I mean, there's some giant killers in the SoCon right now, man. And then, you know, uh, 
I, like I said, Chattanooga, and then Chattanooga, um, last night they were able to escape death. I mean, they were down – we're going to talk a little bit about this later. They were down 12 points with about three and a half minutes to go. And they came back to fourth overtime with Western Carolina, and they were able to get a win by eight in overtime, man. That, that was now their sixth straight win for Chattanooga in the SoCon, man. We, we talked about this a little bit last week, but Chattanooga is quietly playing their best basketball of the year. I mean, this is a team that was once 9-0. and you know, they were undefeated. They had a victory over UAB, which is one of the best teams in the in the Conference USA. Um, people were talking about them as a team that could potentially, you know, win the SOCOM, man. Then they, they went and lost, I believe it was three of their last next four games. But since that stretch, they've won, I think now, six of seven games. Um, five of six games, I believe. or it was, I think it was like seven of eight games and six in a row now um, for Chattanooga, who's now nine and five in the SOCOM. Man, I mean, they're a game back in first place. UNCG is 10 and four. They're currently in first place. Wofford's a half game back at 10 and 5. Then you have Furman at 8 and 4. Chattanooga at 9 and 5. Um, all right there in the mix, man. ETSU is still there at 8 and 6. They're two games back. And then VMI, like I said, these giant killers, they're two and a half games back at 7 and 6, man. But I mean, I, I just love the SOCOM, man. This is you, you never, you can never, never say never with this league, man. You never really know what's going to happen or how it's going to play out, man. But um, it's, it's been a fun weekend, man, to, uh, in, the, in the SOCOM, man. I can't wait to see how that league is going to shake out down the stretch. Uh, for sure, man. It's definitely going to be a fun, fun league, man. And, um, yo, man, I know, you know, we, we didn't previous member. We're obviously going to have a, a, a NEC head coach, you know, on this episode, man. We got, you know, Merrimack head coach Joey Gallo, man. So I had to kind of preview the NEC right now. I mean, I can't, I can't um, talk about the NEC without talking about Wagner, who just, you know, got a big-time sweep over Mount St. Mary's, man. And Wagner is now tied for first place in the NEC uh, with Merrimack. I mean, Wagner kind of came out of nowhere there. You know, we, we, we've been talking about Bryant, you know, for so long. Um, obviously, you know, last week was like a three-way tie for first place. Um, FDU was up there, and they went and got swept, you know, by St. Francis, Brooklyn. Um, and now, I mean, right now, it's, it's Wagner and Merrimack on the of first. You know, Bryant is sitting at six and four, man. But um, NEC, man, I mean, we don't know that they're only going to allow four teams in the conference tournament. I mean, right now, I mean, it's 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 a log jam right now to see who those four teams are going to be. You know, Wagner's quietly won seven straight. Well, I don't know if it's quietly anymore. They've won seven straight games. They started the year one and four in the NEC. They've now won seven straight and sit at eight and four. Man, I mean, they're they're a team that are going to be extremely dangerous to watch. Man, I mean, they 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 have a lot a lot of a lot of firepower on offense. Man, I was we talked about Alex Morales earlier this this, this in this podcast. Man. Uh, 17 points a game, seven rebounds, five assists, you know, on, on 44% shooting from the floor. He's aver- like I said, he's averaging just under 18 a game. Also, a larger forward for them is averaging just under 18 a game. And they got four guys averaging double figures right now um, at Wagner, man, who currently is tied with Merrimack, uh, who's also 8-4 in the NEC, man. And Bryant's a game back. Sacred Heart's a game back. Mustang Mary's a game and a half back. I mean, you know, it, it, it's going to be it's gonna be a race to the finish, man. You, you a sweep hurts. In, in, I mean, we were talking about last week, you know, Mount St. Mary was, was a type of first place, and now they're, they got all the way back to fifth place, you know, after that sweep. So, I mean, it's going to be fun to see what happens down the church in, in the NEC, man. But luckily, you know, we do have an NEC head coach, uh, our guy, Mary Mack, who's currently tied in first place, Joe Gallo. Um, he, he also, you know, is a good friend of Drew and I, man, over the years. Uh, after he recruited Drew, we could talk, talk a little bit about that in the interview, man. So we're going to get you guys over to that interview with Mary Mack head coach, Joey Gallo, right now. All righty, guys, we're here on another episode of the Auto Bay with none other than Mary Mack head coach, Joey Gallo. Coach, thanks for coming on with us today. No problem. Uh, thanks for having me. I, uh, 
big fan of your guys. I, I've actually re- recruited these guys. I, I remember uh, offering Drew at, at, when we were at Robert Morris, and then he hit like eight, nine threes in the Hoop Group All-Star game, and Marshall <laughs> offered, and I said, you know, and then it was uh, it was tough to get him from there. But um, we, we got some history here, so it's I'm glad to be on. For sure, man. So definitely- just, you know, to give the viewers a little bit of, a little bit of background, obviously, um, you know, from your playing career, I mean, you're a guy that played at Merrimack, you know, and now, now you're coaching at Merrimack. Obviously, you mentioned you were at Rob Moore for a little bit before. I mean, talk a little bit, um, you know, about your journey, you know, from playing um, to now coaching, you know, at, at your alma mater. Yeah, so um, the, the one of the things, and, and I was not a, a great player by any means, um, but one of the things that attracted me to Merrimack at the time was um, I always kind of knew I wanted to coach. Um and uh, Coach Hamill, who, who actually passed a, a few years ago now, the court's named after him. He was here for 40 years. And they had a great um, coaching tree um, that I'm going to even throw some names at you guys that you might not even know. But, you know, in, in the Northeast 10 Division Two, you always have one full-time assistant. And over his 40 years, um, his assistants were uh, Bill Harrion, who's the head coach at New Hampshire, um, then Tom Harry and his brother, who was the head coach at Marshall, and now he's at Central Florida. Greg Horenda, who's the head coach at Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, Steve Curran, who's the associate head coach at St. Bonaventure. Um, and then Chris Moore, who's now with Billy at New Hampshire. And then it was myself and now my assistant, Mickey Burtnick. So you're talking about over 40 years, he had seven guys that have all done pretty well for themselves after being with him. So um, there was a, a great Merrimack coaching tree there that kind of attracted me to the place. and. Um, I learned a lot under Bert, and you know, then I went and worked a year for the Hoop Group, um, where I built a lot of uh, connections that I still use to this day um, recruiting. Uh, and then I went uh, to Dartmouth for two years with a guy by the name of Paul Cormier, great coach. Um, spent uh, 10, 12 years in the NBA, was head coach at, uh, he was assistant under Rolly Massimino at Villanova, recruited a lot of that team, of the, the championship team in the 80s. Um, and, and then he went. Dartmouth, Fairfield, NBA, back to Dartmouth. So a lot of good stuff I learned under him and then spending time with Andy Toole at Robert Morris. So I was really fortunate to have to work under some some great guys and take bits and pieces from each one of those guys. Nah, Coach, man, I definitely, I definitely, uh, definitely appreciate you for, uh, for uh, you know, bringing that up, man. You guys are one of the first, first programs to offer me back in the day, man. So I always think, you know, you guys uh, – you know, you guys, I, I, I got to credit you guys for even being able to get those other offers because, you know, you guys always show love, man. But one thing I know about about you, specifically, Coach, was like you always had a, um, you know, you always had a rep for being a great recruiter. Like Robert Morris, when you were there, I remember had crazy talent. You know what I'm saying? You were able to get guys in there. And even now, Merrimack, I mean, you guys obviously in your second year in Division One. you know, you're running season champs last year. You're currently sitting in first place um, this year. I mean, talk about the, the, the job you've been able to do there just, in your first two years and coming to a division one league. And I mean, pretty much just take it by storm over these first couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I think we've done a really good job um, kind of evaluating, you know, we, we, we don't recruit a whole lot of guys to be perfectly honest with you. You know, um, we're not, um, you know, we don't have this database and list with 200 kids on it. We kind of know what we're looking for. We recruit to our system, you know, obviously recruit, good people that we know are going to continue to work and get better. Um, and, you know, part of the reason we're able to, we're able to be so successful last year is um, we also keep our guys. Um, 
So, so we don't lose a lot of guys to transfer. So, you know, even that's, you know, we beat Northwestern, you know, second game of the year and they're out there with six guys that are playing in their second college basketball game ever. Um, and even though it was division two, you know, Javaris Hayes was probably playing in his hundredth college basketball game and Julia Lord and Idris Joyner. And, you know, we have this senior team that, have already won a lot of games regardless of the level. So it's like, even in that game, I remember getting to the four minute media and we're up four or six and yeah, the gym might've been a little bit bigger, but we've been there before we've, we've, you know, taken care of the ball in the last four minutes of game. We've made free throws. We've made stops when we had to. And, and that Northeastern team, Northwestern team, a bunch of guys that have never been there before. Um, so I, I think that just kind of, Growing your guy, you know, recruiting to your system, uh, getting guys better, keeping your players um, so that, you know, they say get old, stay old. And that's kind of what we're trying to do. Now, for those of you who do not know, um, last year, Merrimack set the Division One record um, for wins. Um, obviously, Merrimack used to be D2, the member of the NE10 conference. And obviously, their first year in D1 set the record for most wins um, for a team transferring from, from Division One, from Division Two to Division One. You guys won 20 games last year. I mean, how are you guys able to kind of have so much success um, in your first year in, in Division One, coming from the NE10. Yeah, well, the NE10 is um, arguably the best Division Two league in the country. And, you know, as you guys know from playing, I'm sure you guys have friends that have played at Division Two schools that, you know, in the summertime when you're playing pickup, there ain't a whole lot of difference between the really good guys, you know, especially um, as they get older, right? So um, we were battle-tested from the NE10. Um, we had a... a I'm not going to lie to you. I had no idea. I had a pit in my stomach when the announcement was made. I thought we were going over 30, right? You, as a coach, you never think you're going to win any game. Um, and, and then we, you know, we, we lost to Maine pretty bad the first game of the year. Um, that pit in my stomach got even a little bit bigger. Um, but then we, you know, the Northwestern win, um, we beat a good UMass Lowell team on the road. We beat a good Hartford team on the road, a good Jacksonville team. Um, so we had actually a really good non-conference that set us up for, for NEC play. And um, I think it was just, like I said, having older guys uh, sticking to our system. You know, we always talked about just be the best trained team about what we do, right? We say, even that Northwestern game, it was like, all right, we've played Stonehill who wears purple and they wear purple. Who cares what the – you know, what the names are or who, who recruited them or um, what they're rated out of high school. You know, we really just focus a lot on ourselves and, um, you know, our, our guys. We got some fearless guys who they didn't, you know, they had a chip on their shoulder. All my guys on that roster last year, they all thought they were Division One players and they proved that they were. So um, they had a little extra chip seeing guys that they might have played against in high school and that kid got the D1 offer and they didn't. Um, so that was kind of added motivation for those guys last year. Yep. And obviously, you know, me and me and Ace playing at Quinnipiac for four years. You know, we had two any ten schools right in our backyard with Southern Connecticut State and New Haven. So we went to a lot of games. Yep. Shout out my guy, Coach Eaton, Coach Eric Eaton, who's now up yep. at uh, St. Michael's. Sure. Uh, so we're definitely very familiar with that conference, man. But for people who don't know, I mean, like, I think for, for people who coach basketball and play basketball and are around the game, you know, we can recognize that, like like you mentioned, Division II basketball is it's not that much of a, of a drop-off, uh, to be quite frank. I mean, um, even this year we saw – um, I think it was Fort, Fort Wayne. Uh, it was a D2 school that went in and beat Kansas State, you know, yeah. Power 5 school on the road. You know, I think that there's definitely not, you know, that, that much of a job as people think. But can you just speak to kind of the, the, the strength of the NE10 um, and that conference and kind of how that prepared you guys 
to to come into you know, Division One and, and do what you guys were able to do so, so far? Yeah, and, and a lot of the reason, you know, so the NE10 and the thing with Division Two, there's kind of just like Division One, there's there's tiers and levels, um, but it's more based on kind of how you're funded, so to say. So so the biggest in Division One, you know, you get the 13 scholarships, um, and everybody gets them, right? You you couldn't be division one if you didn't have them division two the max you could have on your roster is, is 10 full scholarships um there's some division two schools out there that have three or four scholarships that they got to split up amongst their roster right the ne10 is a fully funded league where all 15 i think now all 15 teams in the league all have 10 full scholarships right so you're every team is going to have two or three guys that you know, a D1 missed on or, you know, sometimes even a D1 transfer. And it's just a lot, a lot of talent. Um, and, and the other thing I think that goes unnoticed a little bit is the coaching, right? A lot of times at those levels, you got these guys that have been doing it for a long time and they're comfortable in themselves and they've figured out how they want to play. And you go, you know, Jay Lawson at Bentley and Keith Dixon at St. Anselm and, you know, Teddy Ho Italian at, at New Haven and, um, the coaching is, is really, really good in, in the NE10. It's, it's, um, so be, between, you know, having the full scholarships, um, you know, as you guys know, sometimes at the lower division one level, you might have a guy in your roster that only had one offer. Right. And the reason we, he went division one is because he got that one offer. Right. So you got some kids that are just right there. And for whatever reason, they didn't get that one offer. So they kind of slide down, a, not even a level, a half a level. Um, so that's what that's what you end up getting in the NE10. And it's um, it's a fun brand, too. I don't know how much you guys watch, but it's it's offense galore. It's threes. It's skill. It's a lot of space. You know, there's no media timeout. So you go through like eight minute stretches of dudes just flying up and down and firing threes and it's um it's really fun if if people who have not uh watched northeast 10 basketball um you know get get on their site and watch some it's a really fun brand you know drew 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 left some people out man obviously you know coach burrell who who recruited quinnipiac is at southern connecticut state and then we we had a high school teammate that played at lemoyne isaiah eisendorf another he was a monster yeah, 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 and then we had another high school teammate that played at uh, Franklin Pierce named Falou Sec, one of our best friends named uh, Dorian, also was at Franklin Pierce. So we, we watched a, a lot of any 10 basketball. And obviously, like Drew said, we were at, you know, Quinnipiac, so we would go to the Southern New Haven games, and, you know, you know quite a bit. And then one of my other best friends from Putnam Science Academy transferred to Southern Connecticut, uh, um, Keelan Ives. So we, 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 were, we were at any 10 games, you know, our whole time at Quinnipiac, and there's definitely some, some great basketball for sure. And, and all those guys you named right there, They'd all be really good NEC Mac players, every one of them. Yeah, not for sure, yeah. for, for sure. Um, I mean, I kind of want to pivot this year. I mean, you know, you guys lost your top three scores from last year's team, a team that won twenty games. You know, yet this year you still find yourself, you know, in first place right now at eight and four in the NEC. I mean, how do you kind of able to replicate that effort, you know, from year one to year two, despite losing, you know, all that production? Yeah, I mean, we we had a um, so we have a great sophomore class now. Um, you know, Jordan Minor and Ziggy Reed, Michael Daring, Jordan McCoy. Um, and if guys were at our practice this last year, there were days where they, they took it to the older guys, you know, not every day, you know, that's probably the biggest difference between, you know, old and youth is, um, youth usually aren't everyday guys, but on the days they were going, um, we had some battles. So, uh, we knew the talent was there. Um, I was a little nervous because, um, we didn't have summer, 
we didn't have much of a fall. We had some of those pauses. Um, so this was a group that really could have benefited from practice. Um, and it's kind of, you know, led to our slow, you know, we came out, we split with Sacred Heart. We got beat up pretty good on the road at Mount St. Mary's. Um, we just weren't good enough or ready enough early. We didn't practice enough. Um, we're trying to, uh, you know, everyone just kept saying, oh, we got to just get to games. And I don't necessarily agree with that. You got to get to games and be ready to play the game. So we're trying to have these bloodbath practices when we come back to get ready, but then you got to play two games in a week. So that first couple of weeks back was, I think, tough on our guys, but, you know, we, we needed it to get us to, to where we are. Now you talked about that, um, that, that sophomore class for you guys. I mean, right now, um, you know, you guys are being led in scoring by, by, you know, Jordan Minor right now, who's averaging about, about 13 and almost nine rebounds a game. Yeah. Um, but talk about, you know, what, what he brings to your team um, and how he's been able to uh, have had that success um, thus far this year. Yeah, so he's a um, just high, high motor. Um, you know, one of the stronger guys in our league. He's a even last year in his in his. You know, I think he played 15 minutes a game. He led the country in offensive rebounding percentage um, as a freshman. Um, but he, where he's taking the biggest jump is, and and all those guys, and we had to talk about it. You know, early those first couple of weeks is, you know, they went from being kind of the gravy um, to the the you know, the steak and potatoes this year, you know, they, last year they could come in, you know, play well for two, three minutes. If they did, they'd get another shift later in the half. If they didn't, it wasn't that big a deal because we had those older guys to kind of hold it down for us. So um, what Jordan's become now is just a total everyday guy. I mean, that kid, um, he is in the gym nonstop. He is a, he's a 4-0 student. He's, he's addicted to, um, success really in everything that he does and, and it shows and his jump from year one to year two and he hasn't even come close to, to scratching the surface of how good he could really be i mean um one other guy that kind of made it made a huge leap from last year to this year is mikey Watkins. Uh, i mean he's averaging 12 4 and 4 for you guys I and mean, talk about the jump that he made you know from last year guy you know he averaged about seven last year and now you know he, he's one of the best players i mean uh in the nec in my opinion yeah he's been unbelievable and he um the the thing he's had to do and learn and he's done it well is is transition from being kind of just a guard to, to really running our team and being a point guard and, and we had a you know the kid we had Javaris Hayes um he had the ball in his hands probably 80 percent of the game I mean the only time someone else had the ball is when they were shooting from a pass that came from him so you know Mikey was um you know almost like our our Marcus Smart last year i mean unbelievable defender um you know he makes some open shots he gets some stuff in transition uh, and now he's kind of having to transition he even said it it was funny um probably in like october you know uh javar says nickname is, is fat fats and uh he said man how does fat do this you gotta like defend and run the team <laughs> like um and, and he's really adjusted to it well so he uh and he's always had the skill set for it um, it's just the mindset of being a point guard um, that he's really kind of taken on, and he's been great. Now, you talked about kind of, um, you know, in the any 10 where you have up and down games, like guys are scoring a bunch of points, and, you know, um, even Division One, man, you often see you know, a lot of teams who, you know, those teams that are a top league, they might have a guy who's scoring 20 a game or 18 a game. I mean, you guys right now are, you know, leading scores at 12.9, and you have about six guys that are averaging – about eight points or more. Um, talk about your system, um, how you guys try to play, you know, how you guys have been able to have success, you know, with 
with, without that that one guy that's really out there getting you know twenty twenty five um, on a night in night out basis. Yeah, so for us, it starts on the defensive end, and um, you know we play a unique two three zone. It's it's uh, very similar to Syracuse, a little bit different because we we don't have the the size and length they have. So we're um, you know kind of moving around a little bit more than, than they do, so to say. Um, but, but that's where it starts. And, um, you know, we like to score off that defense if we can get some turnovers and pick sixes. Um, but we, um, you know, we, we play a fairly low tempo. But a lot of that is if you looked, if, you know, I don't know if you guys are Ken Palm guys, teams spend so much time with the ball against our zone, right? It's hard to find a shot early, right? I'd say, I don't know, three quarters of our possessions and with under 10 seconds on the shot clock. So, you know, for us, um, you know, we talk about breaking responsibly. We're actually really good in transition this year. We just don't do it a ton um, because you can't, you know, you can't spend 25 seconds on defense, throw up a quick shot, come back, do it again and again and again, and your guys will just be gas. So um, that's where Mikey's been great. He really, you know, I tell him, you're our break. You get the outlet, you get a steal, you go, but it's on you to make sure we get a good shot, right? So I want to run, but if we don't have anything, then let's, you know, run some offense, you know, and we run a lot of uh, like John Beeline two guard system in in the half court. Um, So we're really system-based and, uh, with a lot of freedom, right? Like we don't, um, I don't get mad at guys for, for some of the shots we take, you know, if you're playing hard and you're defending, um, I give guys a lot of freedom to go make, make plays. I always tell them, yeah, I may call a set, you know, I give them the first three plays of the game, every game. And I even said yesterday, I said, don't let these first three plays slow you down. Right. It's like, I don't care if we don't run those first three plays till the 15 minute mark, if we can get stuff off our defense and get some easy stuff in transition. So I think this year we've had a much better balance of breaking a little bit um, and also being able to execute in the half court. Now you mentioned a little bit earlier, kind of that this is slow start that you guys had, obviously coming off that pause. You guys lost three of your first four games, you know, got swept at Mount St. Mary's. Um, but since yeah. then, you guys have won seven of, of eight, um, four in a row. I mean, talk about what changed you guys after that Mount St. Mary's, you know, series um, where you guys have now, you know, been able to kind of catch your stride. Yeah, well, first I, I give Mount all the credit in the world. We had um, – those weren't just losses. Those were those were ass whoopings, if I could say that on air. Um, so uh, – and if you look now, they're right there with us um, at, at seven and four in the league. So um, – but – those are usually the games you get out of you in the non-conference, right? We got drilled by Maine. We got drilled by Brown. Um, you get some film. You you show guys, you know, what they're, you know, okay, you guys didn't do what we work on, and this is why we lost. And um, we didn't have a non-conference to get some of that out of our system. So it's almost like we're a scrimmage, right? Sometimes it just takes a bad scrimmage to go, oh, shit, coach, you're right. You know, this is this <laughs> this does work or this doesn't work or I wasn't playing hard enough, right? And you can only show some guys so much practice film. Um, it's not the same as showing them against, you know, another colored jersey. So it's almost like those first four games were our non-conference and we needed that to kind of get right. Now, you guys are definitely in a unique situation, you know, obviously with the rule transferring from Division Two, you know, where you guys are allowed to compete in the postseason. 
Um, you know, talk about your how, how you've been able to kind of keep your team motivated. Like, obviously, last year you guys won the regular season despite not being able to go to the tournament. Yeah. This year, again, you guys aren't able to go to the tournament and you guys are sitting right back there in first place. Talk about how you're able to motivate your, your team despite knowing, like, all right, well, guys, you know, we're not really playing for much at the end of the season as far as, like, a NCAA tournament, you know, run. But, you know, yet you guys are still able to kind of, you know, win games and compete and, um, you know, do what you guys had to do. Yeah, so I think the first year wasn't as hard um, because it was like something to prove, right? Like we belong. So regardless if there's a NCAA tournament at the end of that, um, it was more of that kind of chip I talked about earlier of of proving it. And then once that um, regular season title got closer in sight, then that was our tournament, right? And, and, And this year, um, now I will say this and, and, you know, I get that, that question all the time. It's a great question. Even when you are a tournament eligible team, right? You guys as players, you don't really start talking about that until late February anyway. Right. So if you got a kid who's not motivated in October, cause we can't play in an NCAA tournament, I don't want that kid in my program anyway. Right. So, so, um, we just have motivated guys and they want to win every game and compete. And and now we're right back in the situation we were last year where it's like, okay, now we're in, we are in a tournament. We're in a six game tournament to be league champs, right? Here's our, here's our six game tournament. All right. Let, let's go win it. So um, we've been fortunate to be back in that situation. Um, but a lot of the motivation just becomes, just comes from the kind of daily get better daily kind of try and win everything we do attitude. I mean, now, you mentioned it earlier, you guys have a, a really young team. I mean, four of your top five scores are sophomores, you know, and these guys are never going to get the, a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. I mean, is there any part of you that kind of wants to appeal to Roar, say, you know what, man, like, can we play, can we, like, you guys are winning last year, you won the regular season, this year you're going to chance again, but you could potentially win the regular season. I mean, is there any part of you that wants to say, you know, let us play in the tournament or let us at least have an opportunity that you, you, you can't even play in the NEC tournament? Yeah, I, I would love that. Um, and, and that this class, uh, which is great, um, so that Jordan Minor class, who when they came in, they were not going to be tournament eligible. Um, they all get that extra year back, right? So that was huge for them. So now these guys all do have a, a chance to, to, to play in the tournament. But, yeah, I, I think there has been, been talks about – because there was a, a division St. Thomas out in Minnesota division three program is, is transitioning. And I think their transition is five, but it might be only four as well. So I think there was some talks about, um, well, if a division three team could transfer in only four years, why are we making these D two teams still take four years? Um, I think a lot of that talk probably is not at the front of everyone's table now with a lot of the other issues going on in, in, in the world. I think the, the brakes have been pumped on that, but um, yeah, I, I love it. You know, I think um, these guys deserve it, you know, even to be able to play in the conference tournament, you know, Atlantic sun, um, they let their teams play in the conference tournament from day one. Uh, the WAC now has a handful of transitioning teams. Uh, they let them play in their conference tournament in, in year three. Um, you know, I just think these guys deserve it. And, you know, look, look, look now, Bellarmine, Bellarmine, Bellarmine. I'm not sure if I'm saying it correctly. Um, they're sitting on top of the Atlantic Sun. Um, you know, I, I was talking to one of our administrators yesterday and said, you know, we should play them. 
Like maybe we have like a let us play classic and um, maybe some network picks it up and you got this Merrimack team who, um, you know, won a regular season title last year and having a really good year again this year and this Bellarmine team and, you know, probably two really good brands of basketball that a lot of people don't even know exist because, you know, neither of us can, can play in the postseason. Sure, I can tell you, Coach, man. I would definitely, I would definitely be be tuned in for that, man. We're gonna have to see if we can start that campaign. Maybe you got, you could sponsor it. We'll go to the All Facts. Is it, what are we all fa- the All Facts Classic? Right. Hey, there we go. <laughs> I like that. We got to get get that in the works. Um, I wanted to ask you, Coach, man. I was like, you know, you're you're a young guy, man. You know, you don't got any gray in your hair right now, man. You you know, you still you know got the clean shaved face. You know, you're all good, man. So like for you. As a young coach, man, being able to have you know success, you know, with this program, like, you know, what what's your vision for this program? Like, where, where do you see you know this program going? Where do you see yourself, you know, going as a coach, you know, as somebody who is you know still young, you know, he's you know second year coach of Division One basketball. Yeah. Um, like, I, I guess you know looking ahead, um, what does that look like, you know, for for you? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have a little bit extra pride in the place I'm at, you know, being an alum, right? So so my, you know, my short-term goal is is you know seeing Merrimack on an NCAA tournament bracket you know in, in, in the next couple of years and um, you know a lot of my closest friends are former teammates and former alums and I think um, to, to me to, to one day uh, be able to you know have people fill out a bracket with, with Merrimack on it is is um, something that'd be really really cool for me but it, it's a special place here you know it's a great campus a great area uh, the kids really enjoy going to school here. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of good things in place for us to be successful. Um, I think with a little bit more investment and, you know, we add some facility and, um, you know, as this place grows, I, I think, you know, we can be, you know, that Vermont, um, you know, type of year in and year out having success, you know, with the ultimate goal being like a Davidson down the road, you know, it, it is that type of place. Um, and, and that's my, um, that's my vision of it. And got to, got to dream big, right. To, to, to make it happen. But, um, you know, I think with what we've done with, you know, the resources we have now, and if you add to that, I think kind of sky's the limit for the place. Of course. I mean, shoot, man, you guys are doing a great job thus far. Obviously, two years in, you know, been in first place. I think last year, you know, win regular season this year. You know, and you're on a great trajectory, man. And, you know, so me and Drew definitely will be watching you guys, rooting for you guys. You know, we, we, we um, thank you for coming on with us today, man. We def- definitely appreciate it, man. So best of luck to you guys the rest of the season and going forward, man. Uh, keep up the great work. You guys uh, advocate well for, for mid-major basketball, and we appreciate that. No doubt, Coach. Definitely, man. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking to you again really soon. Uh, tell Coach uh, Scary I said hello if you're allowed within s- six feet of him today. I don't know the rules out there, but tell, <laughs> tell Coach I said hello. Definitely will, Coach. All right. I'll see you. All right. See you, Coach. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All righty, guys. That was Mary Mack head coach Joey Gallo, man. Um, that, that was a great conversation, man, with, with, with Coach Gallo, man. I love what you said about, about that Bellarmine thing, man. I mean – you know, I, I, I obviously Bellarmine's not eligible for the tournament. They're not eligible for the tournament. Let's let's, let's all just you know get, get you know get together and, and play you know play a little postseason basketball for all the teams that are transferring from Division Two to, to Division One and, and just wrecking stuff uh, right right now in college basketball. For sure, man. I, I like that, man. The the all facts classic, man. I can see it now, man. Let's 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 make that happen, man. We gotta talk to the powers that beat and get that in, get that in writing.
Not for sure, man. I mean, I, I feel bad because we haven't even talked talked about belonging a lot out of out of the Atlantic Sun, man. But they're currently ten and two, um, in, in the Atlantic Sun, man. They they are they're having an absolutely magical year right now. I mean, they've won <laughs> ten games in a row. They got swept by Lipscomb the first two the first two games of, of Atlantic Sun playoffs. Lipscomb was a team that you know coming into that coming into the year, you know, was picked to be first second place in that league, and since that Lipscomb, um. Lost. I mean, and that's when they got swept. They've now swept, you know, their next five series and have won ten games in a row, man. So that is the team. They're going to finish their season up against Liberty um, on the 26th, 26th, and twenty seventh of February, man. And those, those right now um, are the best two teams in the Atlantic Sun, man. So that's going to be definitely a photo finish. Obviously, Liberty's at eight and two. Bell Army's at ten and two, man. So that could potentially be, uh, you know, a race for the regular season championship in the Atlantic Sun, man. So definitely going to be something exciting to watch down the stretch. Oh, for sure, man. Definitely will be fun, man. But speaking of fun, man, Ace, man, I mean, it's time for our favorite segment on here, man, the craziest thing we, we, we saw this week, man. So what you got for us? I, I, I low-key low have two. So I, I want to I start, start with, you know, this, this crazy, crazy, crazy dunk um, that I saw. I mean, we, we don't normally see guys throw the ball off the backboard in the game, I mean, this, and, and, and this, this wasn't no, like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, go up by 40. Like, I'm just going to do, you know, a, 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 you know, I'm going to, you know, uh, show ball a little bit. No, this was a two-point game. And let me see if I can find this video. Um, oh, Demetric Horton um, of, of IPFW throws the ball off the backboard to himself and dunks the ball to tie the game up at 41 apiece with 14 minutes to go in, in the second half. I mean, this, like I said, it's not a blowout. This dude threw the ball off the glass mid-game, a game they went down to <laughs> in traffic. There's, there's a dude under the rim. Not, it's not him. It's not like him. It's literally him and a, and a guy under the basket. He throws the ball off the backboard. The, the dude, the defender thinks it's, it's, like a, it's like a pass. He turns around and the dude just dunks it. So that was wild to see in game. If you haven't seen it, go to IPFW's Instagram page. It's, it's on there. Demetri Horton is his name. Um, he pulled this out, out, out of the bag, uh, and it was. I had to make sure I shouted him out because that was that was that was the crazy thing that I saw with my own two eyes. But also, you know, I love bad beats. Drew talked a little bit about this earlier. Um, we had a terrible beat out of the SoCon again, um, and we talked about this. Merce, I mean, uh, Chattanooga and Western Carolina. Western Carolina was laying seven and a half. You're up 12 with under four minutes to go. It's about three and a half minutes to go in the game. You're up 12. You're getting seven and a half points. There is no way you should not cover this spread. But if, if they cover the spread, it wouldn't be on bad beats. Chattanooga ends the game on, well, I believe, a 12-0 run. Um, they tie the game. Game was in the overtime, and you lose by eight points. And, and, and there goes there goes your W your Western Carolina plus seven and a half. I mean, it, it was it was absolutely crazy to see. I mean, a 19 point 20 point turnaround. You go from up 12 under under you know four minutes to play, three and a half minutes to go, to losing by eight. I mean, just brutal for all my betters out there, man. That was a lesson to, to anybody, you know, stay away from the SOCON, because the SOCON is 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 has been has been brutal to betters all season, man. So those were the two crazy things that I saw this week. Hey man, I mean you said it before, man. Vegas, Vegas is the Illuminati sometimes, man. And if they say something's gonna happen, it's it's, it's gonna happen, man. I mean, they, them, them dudes find ways to you know make scores be what they predicted, man. It's, it's too much money on the line, man. You know, I'm not gonna get into conspiracy theories, you know, but I don't know, man. It's it's, it's tough, man. Definitely no, tough. Man. 
Um, <laughs> nah, man, but I um, definitely want to get you guys some games to look forward to for this week, man. I um, mentioned this earlier out of the A-10, man. St. Louis is going to see VCU on Tuesday, man. I mean, this is absolutely a huge game between, obviously, VCU, who is in first right now, and St. Louis, who is uh, pretty, pretty much winning the league this year. Um, I think if VCU wins this game, you can pretty much pencil them in. Uh, to the at-large picture, I think that if they get to you know ten and two, um, seventeen and four in a year with the win over St. Louis, I think that that'll bode well for for VCU. Um, conversely, man, I think if St. Louis wins this game, I think that, that they're going to be back in the picture. You know, they're going to be back in the race. Um, you know, for at-large bid as well. So um, definitely going to be a great basketball game to watch out of the eight ten on Tuesday. Um, in the American East, man, we've got the showdown between the two heavyweights. We got UMBC and Vermont. Um, they're going to tip off tonight, actually at seven. PM. So once you guys, you know, listen to this podcast, go ahead and turn your TVs over there. Um, check out UNBC in Vermont. That's going to be a back-to-back um, tonight and tomorrow. Um, Big-time game between, you know, two teams who have historically, you know, been the best teams in the American East of, of recent of recent memory. Um, in the MAC, we've got, got a couple games. We've got Monmouth and Iona. Um, obviously, those two programs have a lot of history, man. And obviously, you know, Iona is technically – this is the defending Mac tournament champions winning four straight since last year didn't happen. Um for the team who's right now sitting in, you know, they, they had the most wins, you know, in the Mac right now at 10 and 4. Um, definitely gonna be a great series there, man. Um in the CA, we're gonna have Charleston at Hofstra. You know, Charleston, the team who has quietly snuck into the top three, man. They're in third place right now. Hofstra is in the fourth. You know, so that's gonna be a big time game between those two teams in the CAA as well when we talk about seeding. Um, and then in the NEC, man, we're gonna have Bryant is coming off pause. Uh, to face Merrimack. You know, obviously, we mentioned, like you mentioned earlier, man, the NEC is going to be tough. You, know, you can't really afford a loss. It's not going to be a series. This is just going to be one game, man. But, um, I mean, I think the winner of this game is going to have, like you meant, they're going to have a leg up, you know, as far as uh, as far as far seeding goes, um, you know, in the NEC standings. Yeah, for sure, man. And for me, I'm going right yeah, out to the Mountain West. Um, on Friday, we're going to have Utah State at Boise State, the second game of this two-game series, obviously, uh, Boise State won round one on Wednesday. Round two is is uh, Friday night, 10 p.m. Um, at Boise State. Also, out of my way, we're going to have Colorado State at Nevada Saturday and Monday. This this is going to be a sneaky, sneaky, great series to watch um, out of the Mountain West. Man, obviously, Nevada, you know, right now is currently sitting in fifth place at 9-5. Uh, CSU Colorado State is currently at eleven and three, tied for first place in, in the loss column. Obviously, in the in the Mount West, but it's going to be huge for the Mount West because <clears throat> um, right now Nevada isn't really in position for an at-large bid, but Colorado State is. So if Colorado State can, can come out and get two wins against Nevada, that bodes extremely well for the Mount West tournament projections. You know, for them to get four teams in the tournament, I think you know right now everybody thinks you know Boise State, Utah State are essentially locks. Um, San Diego State also. And then Colorado State, if they can get a sweep over Nevada, that boy is really, really well for the Mountain West. I think if, if uh, Colorado State can sweep, they're also a lock for the tournament as well. And then I'm going to my favorite conference of the year, man, the SoCon. They're going to get Fer- Furman at Mercer Saturday at 2 p.m. Then they're going to get uh, Chattanooga. Um, Chattanooga. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. One second. So sorry, fellas. I don't know. I made a I made an error in my uh we Chattanooga UNCG this Saturday at 5 p.m. Um in the SoCon as well. So those, those are those are you know right now Chattanooga is riding a six-game win streak and UNCG is currently in first place. Um and they're gonna be playing at home after UNCG is coming off a loss um to VMI their last time out, man. So the, the SoCon, you know, obviously it's somewhere at the top, man. Chattanooga is a game back of UNCG for first place. So that is gonna be a great, a great game to watch uh this weekend in the SoCon. 
Yes, sir, man. So you guys heard it here first, man. Definitely make sure you guys have your TV, you know, locked into the mid-major hoops this weekend, man. Some big-time postseason implications, man, when we talk about the NCAA tournament, uh, potential bracket busters and, um, you know, all that good stuff, man. But um, it's been real, guys. It's been fun, man. Again, make sure you guys are liking our podcast, subscribing to it, um, giving us a like, you know, and a rating. Um, it goes a long way. Um we definitely appreciate you guys for tuning in with us, man. And we will see you guys next week for another episode of the Auto Bid. We got something to say? These are technically going to have something to say. Hey, man, I'm definitely, you know, shout out my guy, Pull Up Tay. You know, he'll he go ahead and take us out with some tunes, as always, man. Make sure you guys are going out streaming his music. Uh, also, I'm going to shout out my guy, Nash B, just dropped his deluxe. Um, so make sure you guys go ahead and go ahead and check out some local artists, you know, on the up and up right now in the rap scene. Yes, sir, guys. Man, well, you guys enjoy your week. We'll catch you guys next week, man. Enjoy. You want to sign you make the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. Check, boy. You bitten on me. I can tell. What's the topic of discussion? What we talking about? Take your best shot. I'm going to take the last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. You bitten on me. I can tell. It's time to get a check, boy. Check, boy. You want the sideline. You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitten on me. I can tell. What's the topic of discussion? What we talking about? Take your best shot. I'm going to take the last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.